I think in 97 or 98 I hardly had 20 rupees in my pocket and it was my niece's birthday <laughs> so I had to gift her something and if I gift her something then I don't have something to eat so I presented an empty cover because I couldn't not give something because then she would feel you know bad about it I gave her an empty envelope just like everybody else was giving they were giving their fill as giving mine empty Hello and welcome. This is Puneet Surana and you are listening to the Galata podcast. Galata is a word from the Indian language Kannada that means the noise caused by a ruckus. This podcast is about starting up while we are still in college, testing ideas, creating a team, building something worthwhile and adding value to other people's lives. Join us as we discuss the thrill of earning your first buck tackling uncertainties overcoming obstacles and delighting others most of all the galata podcast is about seeing understanding and implementing so you can deliver on your audacious promise in this episode we have rohit bhat He is a paddle entrepreneur who started three companies Robosoft Technologies Global Delight and 99 Games. He founded Robosoft in 1996 with Apple as a first customer. We really dig deeper in how he got Apple to be their first customer. As an entrepreneur for over 25 years, he has done it all: product design, fundraising, exits, coding, sales and marketing. and evangelism technopro a japanese company acquired robosoft in 2021 for over 100 million dollars and the part that blew me away was it happened virtually he loves udupi is a comic geek and is really bullish on mobile gaming in india this conversations ranges very widely and i hope you enjoyed as much as i did so please enjoy my conversation with rohit bhat Rohit welcome on the Galata podcast. Thank you Puneet and welcome to Udupi. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time here. Uh, and <laughs> this is the only <laughs> sightseeing I've done. <laughs> oh, really? See you get a good sight even from here. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the highway that you're yeah, facing. Yes. Yeah. You guys are going to hear trucks and honks in time hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> the usual first question I ask most <laughs> of my guests is What were the conversations around the dinner table when you were growing up? My father used to have a plastic manufacturing factory and he would be narrating incidents from day to day stuff. Uh, that would be one. The second would be my sister talking about either a school or a college and that would take the other half of the conversation. Between these two I think you know we were pretty much set. <laughs> <laughs> For the years, you know, my sister, you know, sister would speak more and more, and my father probably would give her the stage to keep talking, mm. and that's how it was. And what would uh, you contribute? Were you the naughty kid, and or the silent one? I was the silent one. I was always the silent one. Wow! It doesn't feel like that. Mm-hmm. That you've been the quiet or the reserved one growing up. Yes, and I've always been the silent one. When did this change? No, I don't think it ever changed. I I probably speak when I need to speak, and probably keep quiet most of the time. I like to listen a lot. I pretty much listen to other people 
speaking and when there is somebody else who has got a better experience than me in terms of life in terms of travel in terms of anything i just like to sit back and listen i think that's pretty much been the way it is you know for me right from the early days yeah but whenever i have something to contribute i i try to tell my stories narrate my incidents and you know what's been a story of yours that has had the most varied reactions one of the questions that people keep asking me why did you come to udupi why did you start in udupi mm. why udupi is a favorite question over the last decade and a half why did you start trovers out in udupi why did you build this building in udupi all those you know kind of things but yeah this I feels think. out of place this building <laughs> yes uh, yeah. 200 meters away the driver was like that is robosoft <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea and we did that on purpose as well because you know we knew away from the center of tech which is bangalore you need to stand out and you know for people to feel that sense of uh, right sense of belonging and we thought the best way to do that would be to build something try to be you know iconic and then feel that the effects of that are filtered to people who work with us who associate with us what when was the first time somebody pointed out to you that urupi was a bad idea and how did you react i think people have been pointing out you know forever <laughs> so the first thing happened was when i started robosoft i started in bombay this is in 1996 guys yes, 96 context i started out of my sister's place and uh, the first two years those days getting starting up was very difficult getting a phone connection itself was a pain but we started and after two years i realized that there should be a better way of building a company leading your life than hanging out of a train for you know, several hours a day and this industry needs talent above everything else and this area is known for you know great talent would be mangalore you know this whole coastal belt is known for great talent and i felt that okay and it's very difficult for me to build something easily in uh, bombay and i thought let me go to udupi because this has been my hometown my family is here my friends are here like all my connections are here so i thought let us and talent is here most of all and back then internet had just come to udupi okay mobile phones were just becoming you know prevalent and that's when i said we are going to go to udupi mm. yeah and they said don't go you are making the biggest mistake of your life <laughs> so, i mean but the good thing is you know i always had my family was there my friends were there they always have this they first discourage me from doing and they once i decide that they encourage me the most okay now that you made this choice okay this is how you are going to <laughs> try to make it work i think you know I, in a way i have been blessed to have that support ecosystem of well wishers i think in every business well wishers are very very important yeah you need them to tell you you're wrong you need them to tell you you're right and you cycle through that whole thing whom did you share this first with or brainstorm this with this move what was the reaction like yeah i think they also this encouraging yeah first thing was my sister and brother in law because i was living you know at their house in bombay and they said look are you sure because what will you do in udupi what will you do in mangalore and i told them look i think i have run this company for 2 years and all the work i have been doing is for customers anyways and they have not seen my face and i have not seen theirs and i am getting money without any problem if they are not bothered why should i be bothered where i am that's 
what started the conversation and i was always wanting to put together a small office setup and all those things so you were working from home at your sister's yes, home yes i was right? working from home yeah. working just contact this is 1996 guys yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your work from home setup back then <laughs> uh computer table and a chair and a table and mtv blasting non stop in the background one and a half liter bottle of coke <laughs> to keep me awake till 2 3 am in the morning <laughs> so that is pretty much my setup for the first 2 years and what was your tech and back then mm-hmm. that was the time when coke pepsi and all that just coming into the country and stuff like that and that's how it was this is still the dial up era and this is yeah this is a dial up era i remember probably mine was a 63rd or 64th connection in mumbai at that time the only other uh, you know famous internet user at that time was you know shammi kapoor Was it a hazard to even get the internet connection back then? Did yeah, it was. Use... Uh, luckily, there was nothing like a influence that you had to use, like a telephone connection required. Internet connection was pretty straightforward. I just need to go apply to them, and I got it within a few days. But the telephone connection took me one and a half months to get. One and a half months is still a good. Yeah, still a uh, good thing. After going there every day in the afternoon, <laughs> from two to four, I would be at the telephone office. Cool. <laughs> This was. The era where hardly any browsers were there, or um, yeah. what was your average uh, work from home day like back then? Just just for people to understand where you were. Yeah, I think back then, if you send an email, uh, if you send a mail in the morning, you'd get a reply in the night. That's how it was. An email would take four five hours to get delivered. Four five hours to get delivered. Get delivered for whatever reason, you know. It was back then. It would take you know that much time. and i still remember this is the way it was you know for the first year and half you know two years and i was okay because my customers were in us and i would send something to them the reply in the evening i'll send something again before i go to sleep they had gotten their reply so it was it was not a big deal at all i didn't feel any you know issues back then and my first interactive communication was when i had come down to you know mangalore and after two years i shifted to an incubation facility in krs united step krs step i came there because that the only place that had an internet connection back then at least that's what they said in this internet connection here you can use that i think i uh, the speed was they had 64 kbps connection which you know 400 students would you know fight for Oh and i would outlast them by making sure that you know i would go to the lab after 12 o'clock in the night and do my work from 12 to 2 and they would all be back in their rooms you know by then 12 to 2 i would get the entire bandwidth that's the way you know i survived <laughs> that time and that was for 6 months after that i did a little bit of jugaad you know we mobile was just there and in mobile all the incoming calls were free hmm. you know that early days of mobile outgoing was charged and there was you know no dial up in uh, mangalore rupi region and mobile was a state thing anywhere in state it is uh, you are charged local charges for interstate and all what i did was i got an internet account in bangalore and i would call into my mobile mm-hmm. and add auto redirector it to bangalore hmm. okay as soon as i through my dial up modem i call it it will redirect to the bangalore dial up modem and it's a local call it is free and i would be able to browse and i use that setup and i started exchanging interactive messages with customers in israel and that uh, and that was a game changing moment for me that 
Tell me more. Yeah, so it was like I sent a mail to them and they replied within two minutes. And I'm like, and I remember our entire office was there, some eight or nine people. Everybody was like, "Wow, you can do this, Israel, and you can do that." But you know that that was how it was, you know, very early in the days of internet, and it's all jugard, you know. Entrepreneurship is a lot about yeah. jugard in the. Jugard, I would disagree. This is you looking at gaps, mm-hmm. like looking at that gap of twelve uh, a.m. to two a.m. was mm-hmm. a gap. Yes, yeah, that's the gap. And I got sixty-four kbps, and nobody was there. And back then, sixty-four kbps was you know a big, big. Uh, that's the entire bandwidth of an ITK at that time. The whole college had you know sixty-four kbps. You have had this ability to look at interesting gaps, or in your words, jugad. Yeah, you know whatever you call it, but yes, you know ultimately you have to be thinking about making the best of what is available to you and figuring out things in that. What are the gaps did you notice on the early days? Because uh, a lot of listeners now are closed, thinking that they have very limited or no money. Mm-hmm. They have hardly any experience. They they look at the big people and they self reject themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you never have enough money. I think that's that's going to be the story of everyone's life. You always feel that you can get if you always wish you had more money to do something X Y Z. Even though you had that X Y Z, now then you would want something else, PQR stuff like that. But I don't think money should you know stop anybody from you know doing certain things. One of the things that really worked for me early days was good support of friends and uh, friends and families, and then yeah. early early employees. For example, see, you know, early days, all of our customers were always outside the country. They're all in US, and I would go to US, and my friends would come to the airport to pick me up because they know this guy is just starting up; he doesn't have money. And they would, instead of letting me stay in hotel, they would make sure that I stay with either with them or their friends out in the valleys. I would stay with them and get to kind of uh, network in that way. And when I attend conference, they would make sure that they drop me at the conference. In the evening of the conference, over they'll pick me oh. up and take me back, stuff like that. That's an example of what friends this are for. This was in nineteen nineties. This is in ninety seven, ninety eight, and then they would take me around early days of you know valley and all those things, right? Just to give a exposure to the in the real look. This is how things are out here. Tell me interesting stories from you know the valley. Yeah. My early job was in Apple, you know, ecosystem, Apple Mac ecosystem. I I was a programmer on Apple Mac right out of engineering college, and when you are building for Mac, you get to hear all the Mac stories, Apple stories, yeah. and all those things. Most of us, you know, grew up with our friend circle. We grew up learning those stories. When we went to Silicon Valley, you know, the birthplace of Apple, you tend to look at everything yeah. from that you know prism. We always look for inspiration, basically. When you're starting out, you're always looking for inspiration, and I was I was always looking where do I get my next inspiration from? Where do you get your next? Where was your first inspiration from? The inspiration to start company, you know, came when I was in Japan. I worked there for some time after my engineering, and what inspired me was this country. How it is those days, or even now, when you grow up, your primary source of inspiration is from US, right? You always look at. Oh, you did this, that. You no know, great universities, you no know, great 
entertainment centers and all those you know kind of things i was one of those kids you know who grew up thinking that after engineering you'll go to go to us but i got a chance to go to japan and i grew up reading a lot of world war 2 comics and very unusual yeah very unusual you know my brother had that hobby of reading comics and you know whenever he used to get them i used to read them and in those comics it's always the germans and the japanese are always portrayed as the villains you grew up on a step i probably must have read more than 2000 3000 comics you know from that era 2000 and, yeah 2000 easily easily <laughs> from you know my first standard to you know college and when i went there they were the whole society was in extremely unlike what i grew so up. you went to wait before this hmm. You saw two, three thousand comics. You read them. Yes, you know. With that, a reinforcement of a country which is villainous. Uh, yes, correct. What? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, Made you know. Made you choose? Yeah, I mean, more than that. I think you know we are a you know in our childhood you know we're a family of comic buffs. We read Dinamachitrakata right from the first issue. We read probably Indrajal comic from the early days. We had all these things. I think you know at home we had forty, fifty hard bound. in a comic of every one of these the whole marvel comic superman spiderman so all these superheroes that you see now in the movie theater we used to read those comics you know back then those was a bit of a you know comic then all my cousins when they would come we you were spoiling the movies yeah. for your kids now <laughs> <laughs> it was strewn all over the place my elder bro- eldest brother had this thing about specialization and grew up reading those and when i went there I was shocked. I went there. Everybody was polite. But before you went there, tell me the decision moment mm-hmm. and why you chose. Because you have been reinforced. Yes, we have been reinforced. But yeah, we always know that things might not be as bad as they are always portrayed, right? You always have some part of you telling you that hey, look, you know, don't believe everything written in a comic. That was there. But in apart from that, back in ninety. To 93, Japan was, you know, probably at its the best in terms of economic might. They were the second largest GDP. Japanese yen was at its strongest against the US dollar. But this is okay. this is coming from Rohit now. But back then, just out no, of college, even back then, even back then, you were aware of. Yeah, I was aware of all these things. I was aware of all these things. You know, it's not college. I think after six months of my college, I was working somewhere in Bombay, and then I got this particular offer, and. Uh, My brother-in-law was, you know, very much into stock markets and all those mm. things. I used to live with him, and he would, he would bombard ah. me with all the information about stock markets and you know stuff like that. And economy was, you know, known, and he made sure that I read the Economic Times every day without fail. That I changed my mindset from all this novel reading, comic reading stuff to you know something <laughs> more useful. Yeah, really. And yeah, you know, I was getting into that kind of a, a mode. And I knew that Japanese yen is at the strongest, economy is the strongest. They were buying all the Hollywood studios. Their car companies were competing and winning against the U.S. auto automakers. And I felt that okay, they must be doing something right. All my friends are going to U.S. Let me go to Japan and find out what, what this company is. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And the good thing is when I went there, I got a chance to work on Apple Mac platform. I was in Japan, but I got a chance to. <laughs> I got a piece of Silicon Valley there, and uh, another gap. <laughs> yeah, and you know, that was the time when Apple was almost dead, right? They were a 5.7 billion company, 
10 billion dollar revenue top line was 5.7 billion dollar and they said you know they at most have another two quarters left in their company because there's no steel jobs he was long fired from apple and they had licensed their operating system to other manufacturers right. that had gone wrong uh, compaq was eating their you know lunch dinner everything and dell was you know fast catching up to them they had lost the us wars and uh, we were like you know sitting there and writing a word processor for the apple mac platform in japanese language and uh, our you know rallying cry for the company was we are going to bird, uh, beat ms word in japan okay every company need to say rallying cry right? that was our rallying cry that you know when ms word comes to japan they are going to come up against us so part of me was always about this you know be, you know fighting this big war yeah. with very less that's a part of thing that I always grew up that you you a small guy the typical david versus in goliath story and uh, we were all very motivated i was in you know, very motivated okay i used to love working i used to love programming i would probably straight away code for you know uh, 16 hours a day was a norm for me back then i would get up in the morning go to office office was closed by i would work till 2 o'clock and i used, i used to love it it never felt like work for me i used to love coding i would love and i would to love debugging and all and over the weekends you know i'd say japan is a very studious country but everybody is not just studious you know it's a, they say it's a work only country and all those things weekends are you know very different everybody is letting loose going crazy so they had that concept of work hard and play hard kind of things and i just went with the flow it is to be fun over the weekend what is a weekend day like weekend would be like In you know Japan. weekend would be like back then we used to work on a saturday even then 5 o'clock we would just shut our systems and they would all have these entertainment districts some part of the district was all you know pachinko video game parlor then you know, they would have pubs then they would have dance floors it was typically you go to the video game parlor then you would have pizza then you would go to the pub and hang out till 12 and then you would go and eat the dance floor because that's where all the english speaking folks in osaka would get together the new zealanders and everybody you know but there's the only place where you get to hear english oh otherwise you would never hear english so and you would be there till probably you know 4 am 5 am in the morning and oh. yes you know then international library and that's the only place you would get to read english newspaper from around the world magazines and all in the evenings i would go there spend the next 4 5 hours reading and getting up to date on everything that happened in the world because you wouldn't there's no internet you know back then even if you have internet there's no way you can access it english language was you know pretty much not there and that was the only window to world and you had your phone calls you know you could call your home that we could always do but yeah that was like a life changing moment for me that you can be a country that can be completely destroyed and still within 50 years completely rebuilt and become one of the biggest uh, economies, yeah, economies in, the in the world i think i have seen that in japan you have seen that in china in the last 30 40 years but nothing so, like the japanese yes wow. yeah 
they've normalized earthquakes yes yeah. i mean it's a very very different society altogether simple things like when we were walking on the road suddenly people would stop and bow at you like strangers the strangers then i would ask my friend why are they doing that they say you no know, specifically the elder now when they see somebody from india you know they will feel that that the whole buddha connection and all and they would want to pay the respects to us because we are from the land of buddha they would you know, stop and bow at you know, and he yeah, said you know don't even bow yeah with some people it's not that everybody would do that but the elderly people they would you know bow at you and you are not used to that in india right you are like you feel so uncomfortable till somebody explains to you first <laughs> i was i want to hear the perspective what is happening how did you respond yeah. i mean it didn't happen because i ignored it first second then i started seeing a pattern because i never thought it would be for me i thought they must be looking at something yeah. else across the road and doing it and then i would start turning around and looking and there's nothing there and then you realize it's you <laughs> know okay you know this is you know yeah this is something and how did you uh, respond to them you said nothing no then you know you would also learn no. to bow and move on that's the interaction that's it yeah that's oh. the interaction that's the interaction but you know see japan kind of uh, uh, freaks you out in some way that the first time where i had hot coffee in a vending machine right you, know, you don't get to see i mean, at least i have not seen it you know where in this in the middle of winter you it's cold out there and you always wish there's something warm and just pop a coin in the coin vending machine and you would get hot coffee on the streets on the streets and it's all on the streets there's another time i left my camera you know i had an expensive camera that i had bought there and had been to one of this place in the night and early morning i was too tired i left my camera in the cycle and my apartment was two floors up i wake up in the middle of the morning i don't remember and i'm again going that night then i realize oh shit and you know, i forgot to get my camera i went down the camera was there and this is Yeah, this is the part of the road. This, this is in the cycle in the road, yeah. and it's a open basket. I just put the camera there. There are things like that that you see. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is a nice thing. But yeah, I think I don't know whether it is Japan or uh, a developed country thing. But I think it's pretty much you know more of Japan. Yeah, it's a culture. Developed. It's a culture. You know, not to touch anything that belongs to somebody else. Yeah, and their orderly behavior at uh, train stations. Nobody is cutting lines. Even when they are going up the escalator, they'll always be. They'll everyone stands on one side of the escalator. The people who are in a hurry to rush, there is another path that they can use to run. If somebody and that's is not reinforced. Huh? That's, that's not, not reinforced. This is all thought. They say in Japan, the first two years of their schooling is only about teaching mindfulness, how to be mindful about. your surrounding your neighbors and there are you know enough videos out there in the internet that teach and that showcase you know how they do all these things there are certain things in that we used to do when we were in school we used to clean our own classroom sweep the floor and all those things i don't think my kids generation does that and that is still there in japan in the first year they are supposed to clean their own classrooms in the first standard okay and i think pretty much they do that through their years and probably world got to see that in one of the world cup soccer matches where the japan was playing some other team and after the match was over they picked up all their trash in the entire stadium and left the stadium this happened some few years ago i don't remember which city but even they did that and everybody was like 
shocked you know what the, what the, what is happening here but then i think that was a japan story i'm speechless the way that <laughs> uh, you've had this experience early in life having known that um, apple is breathing its last mm-hmm. and having no idea mm-hmm. about japanese mm-hmm. again an assumption i mm-hmm. may be wrong you chose to make or work with a word processing mm. team on a company that maybe now you know maybe back then also you knew that was breathing its last mm. on a platform yeah on a platform against microsoft, microsoft that had already yeah. been established yes. what were you smoking <laughs> <laughs> apple's culture was always there right they were always pirates they always looked at themselves as pirates and the ibm and microsoft were the navy Mm-hmm. and you know steve jobs would always say that look do you want to be a pirate or you know just lead life in a boring navy i think a part of it rubs off on you when you're building on that platform we're always trying to play a larger than life role <coughs> why choose to do that it's always about trying to do something what others haven't tried to do before attempted before This, this sounds Why like an impossible sort of a thing to touch. Yes. From a 10 meter, meter fall. Yes. And you went running to it. Yes, yes. So I think, uh, you know, that is, that part of it always stayed with me. I worked sometimes, did not work uh, sometimes. But yeah, I think that's what life, <laughs> you know, throws at you and or, uh, sometimes you pull it in your I actually love this pink table light. really pops that is for our video conference zoom sometimes we don't get enough light if there is monsoon there is not enough light in the room they need something focusing in your face ah yeah that is for that yeah what are those two those are in a figure lines one is iron man other one <coughs> is batman mm mm-hmm. one is captain america captain not america. iron I am amazed at your uh, transformational phase in Japan. Why choose to leave it? And why come back to India having seen a culture so evolved, mm-hmm. so dedicated? I'm sure the pulse is palpable. Yes. Yeah. Why leave that and come back to India? After, you know, some time I realized that, you know, we have to do this to India. When you say we, who are you talking about? I was talking about myself. till then i was i never had any inclination of starting it but when i was there i felt that okay if these guys can do it you know we can do it to india and that is the whole thought process that changed me and i wanted to come back and start a company with a few you know core things everything that we do should be world class okay it doesn't matter what it is my idea was i will start a company that is going to build world class product there was only simple premise when i started the company that we might do something very uh, focused area but whatever we do should be world class and that's the thing that we put in the minds of everyone who joined us uh, at uh, our company it's okay it takes a little bit more time to build something but make sure that it is world class because whatever japan did was world class so i said if you do world class stuff there is always a market for what you do the inspiration is more because i saw in japan a country that was completely defeated in world war 
and within 50 years they could build a country that was yeah. uh, competing neck and neck with the yeah. most powerful economy in the world at that time and they said that hey, look we can do that someday so those are the two things that told me that hey look you know go back and do something <laughs> what values that you picked up from japan other than these or including these that you still hold on to and are teaching your daughter i tell everyone that you hey, look whatever you do do it make sure that it is brilliant it's fantastic it should be it should measure up amongst the best in the world that part of it will always stay you know in me you know, no matter who i come up against i tell them otherwise you don't do it it's okay <laughs> <laughs> there's no fun in doing something at least let the attempt be there let the intent be there okay whether you read there or not in the first attempt maybe not second attempt maybe third attempt definitely that i look at it and that's what i keep telling my daughter so look you know whatever you do make sure it is really good make sure it is insanely good mm. stage house would say insanely great <laughs> <laughs> right but yeah you know insanely good is you know what that part of it is always in you know, a state in me world class is always in you know, a state with me uh, focus is another thing i am a big you know believer in don't do a number of things everybody has a few things that you know they can be good at they might not necessarily be good at it at that point in time but if they persevere long enough they'll get good at something correct and pick up what that is and you know be good at it when you are good at it people will come and want to work with you want to work for you you know stuff like that what do you regret about the time in japan maybe i should have put more effort in being very conversant in japanese that's one thing otherwise i don't really regret anything i i made sure that i traveled the whole length of japan all the way all the four islands all the way from the southernmost part of the country to the northernmost part of the country i like to soak in all these experiences as a person i like to travel i made sure that i stayed in all kinds of accommodation japanese there were different kind of things i went and saw an active volcano i stayed in a city that is on top of a dormant volcano and you have these fumes you know sulfuric fumes you know coming out of the road in wherever you are walking we yeah, have all those you know kind of things i stayed in a homestay also as part of the trip yeah i think pretty much uh, everything i wanted to do i did it in that that stint there you like a sponge in a new culture yes yeah. i think in a way you are you like to and it's a safe country you don't have to really be worried about it so uh, i was a vegetarian getting vegetarian food was impossible back then in that's japan? number in japan uh, because they like to put you know meat rats specifically they put beef into everything that they eat beef or fish okay that was difficult there was no english at all there was no mobile phone there's no google we can't google translate anything but if you focused on doing something you know you can do it that didn't <laughs> stop me from uh, traveling all this stuff what do gods did you do to get around <laughs> no i think you you always travel i used to go around with my friends they would be there that in that way it was more easier mm-hmm. uh, it's not that you are you are trying to fight this you know whole thing on your own do it with your group of friends it's a little bit more fun as well the language is covered how did you navigate food uh, food was it was easy i would just they would and after some point in time i stopped convincing them to give me something different 
I would, if they give me a noodle dish, I would remove all the meat part from it and eat only the noodle. And I would think that, okay, I am still a vegetarian. Has that assumption changed now? <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I am not really fuzzy about it. It's just that I don't want to do it knowingly. How do you describe that to your parents back home? <laughs> <laughs> There are some things in a best laid outside. No? I wouldn't uh, explain it to them in so many, you know, much detail. But yeah, you know, I, I was always a vegetarian. I still claim to be a vegetarian. Even though I've eaten countless uh, noodle dishes by removing <laughs> meat pieces from it. Sometimes you are trying to fight something that you can't win against. you try to compromise and yeah move on right something that i can't I, i knew i couldn't do anything about it i said okay you know might as well yeah make peace that's the only with some part survive. of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> as long as you're not eating it it's okay at least in your mind that you're not eating it that though that conflict always remain yeah. in one yeah that's the only way you can yeah. get through yeah did you have that sort of contact with anything else in uh, japan or in your experiences no you had to hold two really opposite when you are building a company you get into a lot of those kind of you know situation mm. uh, you would always have one part that is very creative inclined one part that's always sales inclined and you need to strike a balance between the two and no matter which balance you strike nobody is happy that's that's the way it is you can't do anything about it how do you talk to yourself in a moment like that what what do you tell because you are going to disrupt both of them yes both parties correct and you know it's still a compromise yes how do you handle your own mind state no i think yeah it's a, it's a very difficult everybody knows that entrepreneurship it is tough there's always conflict every every moment there is conflict okay so you are always looking at the positive side of things if in a day if nine things go wrong there's one thing that goes well and you only like try to think about that and get to the next day mm. and leave, you know try to leave the other uh, other part of it you know behind you can't do anything about it i think as organizations grow as teams grow you keep getting into those situations and who do you talk to when you are in situations like that i don't really, yeah, do i don't really you know talk to a lot of folks about it as such there are you know some people who were with me for a very long time i discuss with them about it okay you know there's something like that i don't know what to do and i still i'm just you know voicing it but i'm not really thinking about it as such but i leave it and keep it in the back of my mind and then i watch a lot of yeah, then i watch a, then i am a movie buff whenever i'm down i go and watch a great movie hmm. yeah you get a lot of inspiration from movies so. you kind of you know try to do stuff that will put your thinking back in the right frame i think you know you need to yeah find that some people go out cycling other people everybody does their own thing that gets them back to a normal state of mind and for me it was you know movies because it was relatively easy uh, to do that that's one of the first things i did early days of you know my company also i brought a big home projection tv and the same thing even when you are studying up and you are going home only around midnight and from midnight to 2 am i'll be watching my movie at full blast so <laughs> <laughs> so that you are ready for the next day you ready for the next yeah. day <laughs> yeah 
I think yeah. everyone uh, who is own. into uh, starting something needs to find that. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I think they'll have to find their own thing. Indulgence. There's yeah. nothing like a set intelligence that you can prescribe. Yeah. You've always looked up to Apple. Mm-hmm. And you've significantly worked at Apple. Mm-hmm. It's uh, everywhere of mm-hmm. how long you've associated with Apple. Did you get to meet Steve Jobs? I have seen him at very close range, but I never got a chance to speak to him. But I was probably five feet away from him, at least on three, four occasions. And you're in 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 awe of him, right? Let me not go up to him and say something and spoil things. (laughs) 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 Enjoy him, you know, and, you know, leave those good memories with experience. Yeah, the six feet, you know, thing. You didn't ever have maybe a no, it, handshake or maybe nothing more than yeah, that? Yeah, nothing. I have nothing more than that. Nothing more than that. So it was always, you know, he would, he would be addressing a small gathering of important developers and he would be there in the room, stuff like that. When we came, you know, came back to Apple, Apple was in trouble. So he was doing a lot to get developers interested in the platform, that they build for it, things like that. During that time, interactions. Other than that, I never worshipped anyone. You know, from that. I used to admire him a lot for what he did. There are many of these people whom I admire for what they do. Tell me. Yeah. But, and, you know, Steve Jobs was one of them you know, in the early days. How did you become one of the favorite developers for Apple? I started the company in 2016. Apple had just set up their office in India. Okay, the sales office in India. They wanted to make it big in India and stuff like that. They had, they had hired some 17 sales guys. Okay, nobody in a technical role. And I went to them and told they had a big booth at, you know, IT, IT Asia in Delhi. IT Asia. And they used to have this huge in December. So I went to them and asked them, look, you know, you are 17 sales guy, none of you understand technology. I'm a technology guy. Why don't I help you guys in uh, building solutions when you're selling this system? That is how... I have to pause you. Hmm. Can you remind a little, how did you get this insight? But there are only 17 people, all are sales. <laughs> because look, you're again seeing a gap. <laughs> yeah. And I'm because asking you, them. how did yeah. you get... I spoke to them. Correct. Okay, tell I told them, who is the technical person on your team? They said, we don't have any technical person. <laughs> what is that? You are selling boxes. You why do we need? Yeah, you know, we are all selling boxes here. Why do we need? They had nothing yet. <laughs> Someday people would want to build some solution on it rather than put them on your desk. Listeners, and, this is what has been missing. Mm-hmm. A tech guy being able to spot a business gap mm-hmm. and being able to capture it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your brother-in-law must be given kudos to you. <laughs> <laughs> making you read Economic Times. <laughs> but yes, please. Yes, yeah. So that was it. And they were happy. And Apple used to do a lot of road shows. This is all in India. And they would take me around. And I must have traveled with that Apple team all over the country during that one year. 17 sales guys and one technical guy. They would do all their pitch. And... When the solution questions were asked by their resellers and all, they would put me on stage. Okay, he'll answer all the questions. <laughs> How did you get them to give you that technical role? I can understand. Because, yeah, I was the only technical guy, you know, they could see, right? Really? Yes. I mean, but it must have been a big fanfare. And they would have had 
people how did you get no, in see, i know back then no? finding a macintosh programmer in the whole world was a difficult everybody was abandoning the platform nobody wanted to build for it anymore everybody is given up on the platform they thought it going to die they lost the platform war they lost the os wars what made you not abandon the ship then like everybody uh, yeah. else for me it was very simple you know it, there was still a 5.7 billion dollar company and i was one person sure for me a 5.7 billion dollar is still a big company respect yeah I felt you know okay they're they're good enough that's good enough that's big enough for me <laughs> and Apple used to have this whole legion of followers right hmm. the platform was all about raving fan raving followers fans, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know people who we call influencers you know that was basically they were the people who were you know the most crazy about if you had one person who was using an Apple system he was influencing at least fifty to five thousand people. and that was the only thing that was you know at that moment they had left in them only those people probably 5 million of them around in the world okay but the ability to influence 50 to 50000 and all apple needed to do at that time was put some great product in the hands of these people and let them spread the message and this is exactly what steve jobs did wow. he just made sure that Focus. he had something great to give to these folks because he knew this community would do the rest He didn't have to. He just needed to convince this bunch of uh, people around the world. And How did he convince you guys doing these short rooms? Was he pitching the idea of Apple to you guys? Was yeah, he see, in an aggressive mode to push you to the walls and build something? What What was these no, like? Yeah, no, it was simple. See, back then, what was happening? That's the gap that we filled. Every major company in the world was thinking of stopping support for the apple system okay when i say uh, major company for example all the device manufacturers mm-hmm. the printers scanners and all these manufacturers did not want to build a device driver for the apple platform because apple okay. was changing their os from mac os 9 to mac os 10 they were changing they bought next and when they bought next they had to change their operating system and that required them to write the device driver on everything the piece of software which resides on the computer that knows how to speak to the device that's a device driver okay and uh, they couldn't convince these companies to do that okay they said look it's not worth it for us because you are new a small company and probably you'll die in a few and by the time <laughs> our product comes out you are gone quarters, yeah. and you know they would say look you, know, you don't worry about it there's a company called robosort who will do the work for you Hmm. and we we went and told them hey, look they're all thinking twice about it we'll do it for you just put us on your website apple has put us on their website again uh, another gap yeah another gap yeah. how did you spot it and yeah. how did you fill it we knew that that's a big problem that they had how? convincing people by speaking to the folks at apple because it all over the news okay the sales talk and all over the newspaper adobe saying we'll no longer build hmm. photoshop on mac okay Quark saying, you know, we'll not no longer build our typesetting or whatever they were doing back then. And here I was, and I remember in those early days when I was in India, one example of collaboration we did. I went and trained every engineer of Adobe on how to program on Mac. Early days when they set up the India office, I did the same thing to their, you know, team that Quark Express, you know, started. They had started their office in Chandigarh. 
and i remember i must have done the same developer training to at least 4 5 other large companies in india i would go and tell their team on how to program on the apple mac you know platform in a way they were referring us to their partners around right. the world but in return they wanted me to help right. yeah, yeah so in a way i was creating my own competition for the future but i was happy because yeah apple was yeah, yeah apple were, and i was uh, i was an apple website so. yeah but more than that apple was doing your business development yes, absolutely tell me something mm-hmm. you've um been the guy who's been quiet on the dinner table mm-hmm. how did this person become somebody who's leading trainings mm-hmm. and communicating to people mm-hmm. and different groups across the country how did that communication transformation happen yeah i think it is more about when it is my topic of interest i i wouldn't be the quiet guy at the dinner table mm that is what it is and i think you may know, you can put it down to that when it's my topic of interest all of it flows out easily <laughs> so maybe i it started coming out during my engineering days when i was in hostel and some of this conversation happened right and i would keep speaking about things that i love doing and it was always there maybe it was not coming out at the dinner table <laughs> mm. yeah some of the most quiet people have the loudest minds mm-hmm. they just need those gaps to let those thoughts out yeah. Yeah. what is this painting i've been looking <laughs> at it for a whole <laughs> one hour um it's a it's a it's a sita swayamvara painting it was commissioned by my friend he's got this artist in hyderabad who you know draws and paints it for him and he commissions one painting every year and that year he could not buy it and he told me rohit can you buy it and i said okay i'll buy it so <laughs> it stayed on this wall for a long time it's kind of like a you know the painter his son and his daughter in law they together build this his daughter in law sketches it Ooh. his son you know does and you know this guy then does the final touch up the and he is you know bedridden he sleeps and you know paints this he can't you know sit and uh, do it while sleeping you know he just using his own paint so he's giving final touches when yeah he's not he able does to... the final touches um and the specialty is in it the number of people you have in that giving them all that expression it's a huge audience uh, he has to go and looks easy like 20000 yeah, 30000 people yeah. audience the image will be in the show description i if rohit allows <laughs> i'll take a picture of it and i'll add it up you can have a look it's a marvelous painting he has at least five six paintings like this at his home your friend yeah my friend how much does a painting like this cost it's upward of 10 lakhs that was 5 years ago 7 years ago i was you know highly skeptical i am i'm not into all these things and he said look if you don't need it i'll buy it after 2 years i don't have the money right now but so you buy it now and keep it after 2 years i'll buy it back from you after that i told him ah <laughs> so it looks good and yeah puppy cat clothes yeah, yeah. This is they used to sell puppies, and uh, then they started selling cards like this. Mm-hmm. If you remember, uh, I don't. Know. the The strategy was very simple. Uh-huh. You go into a car showroom, uh-huh. and 
um you see a car which you like but you're not signing the paper <coughs> you're not putting your order mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. what the car person would do as a strategy was he would tell you know what mm-hmm. just take the car key mm-hmm. rohit and keep it for two days okay okay you can bring it back mm-hmm. there's no obligation at all nothing just keep it for two days ride it around maybe you'll make up your mind or if, if you don't make a mind no no questions asked you can give it back to us and you would take the car home and when you would go in your driveway your neighbors would notice okay like oh new car oh yeah. looks nice how does it feel <laughs> let's go for a small ride and you would park it you take it to your office your mm-hmm. office colleagues would see mm. and they would say oh new car <laughs> nice looks good on you uh-huh. yeah and then you'd have these experiences with your close inner circle for a day mm. or two and then you have to give it back you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen <laughs> so you keep the car <laughs> it's called puppy close okay. <laughs> it started with dogs <laughs> okay then moved to automobile and now <laughs> in your entire journey of being a parallel entrepreneur like you described yourself you mentioned evangelism what do you mean by that Yeah evangelism is talking about technology your platform your product and that world was very popular in the whole apple ecosystem they had somebody you know who would call as evangelist i was telling you about these influencers the people who use the product they would in turn talk about apple product to the 50 to 50000 followers of theirs and they would all call them as evangelist their evangelist when apple was almost dying uh, guy kawasaki was hired as that evangelist mm-hmm. at apple he was a chief evangelist officer whose job was to make sure that these people this this die hard uh, fanatics or fans of apple would get the best latest information about the platform news about the platform that they can spread it across this so is like a paid is, leaker I mean, you can call people in any name that you want. Apologies, it's a free word. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> it's a free word. But no offense, yeah, man. No, I am okay. You can, like I said, you can call anybody, anything you want. But that was the title that he used to call himself as. And I think you know, evangelism back in those days was a very popular word. I don't think it is used yeah. now. They just call them as influencers. So it's the same. An evangelist. No, I, I think influencer are no kind of. interchangeably here i think the last time i heard was uh, when i was studying hotmail sabir bhatia he would always call himself as the evangelist okay. and he would always talk about uh-huh. the hotmail's future is that what you mean reinforcing the vision yes in a way you know that was you know what uh, so what is the vision that you are reinforcing with your team or your teams across these three ventures i always tell people that geographies are irrelevant Mm-hmm. Okay, you can be anywhere in the world and still build great products. Don't let geographies define what you are trying to do. Okay, you can be anywhere in the world and still build great stuff. That is one thing I tell people. Just because you are staying in one place doesn't mean you can't work for Apple. I used to feel that whole bias in all through, and I moved to be. You are saying like, don't move to be. You will not find enough people, or rather, you will not be able to. put together an infrastructure not get internet connection and all those things and we did that by being creative okay and then they would said no 
people you know you will not be able to hire people people will not be coming and staying there we used to have uh, challenges with hiring people or retaining people and one of the biggest reason behind why we built this building was because people would work with us for a few years and then they would move to bangalore and i was asking people why are you doing it you know you are liking the work here because you know we used to always work on cutting edge you'll always add that thing okay whatever we do it should be cutting edge other than the world class okay it should be people like the work but they wanted to still go to bangalore and when i was asking them they saying look my parents want me to work in a big shiny building glass building and that one excuse was coming a little bit too often for me and they would say oh, where is robosoft we can't we even see this marriage period ah this is the yeah. marriage period the you know the father in laws would ask this, the mother in laws would ask you know, on either side boy said girl said wouldn't matter and uh, where is robosoft in a small place in his Uh, so you know initial few places where we were all in very uh, unknown location people couldn't see the office and then i started realizing that this is going to be a big uh, hr problem and you know at that time we were really growing big and i just got fed up of this problem i told look let us find a place on highway nh17 and make sure that even if somebody is closed his eyes he can see your building <laughs> <laughs> okay and that's the you know, we must have seen every uh, piece of land from here till probably another you know 15 20 kilometers from here all the piece of land we evaluated and then we felt this was the best because like you said you can see it from 200 meters now you know the answer so because i was so fed up of that you know answer and we said you know, we'll build the biggest you know, and you know you know what we will outdo them we'll build a round building <laughs> take that <laughs> okay and that is the reason we you know it was more of building something iconic why a round building because round building is uh, very inefficient yeah no yeah oh. inefficient yeah what yeah, i know we felt our logo was round and making a round building would make it stand out and we would build a place all, like this would stand yeah, out yes because there's hardly yeah. anything around but in a round building would make it even more especially a round building with a chimney in front of it okay tell me more okay, go on look look at that <laughs> i don't know this at all <laughs> please explain <laughs> i'm sure you have done this a lot <laughs> sorry for the cliche question yeah, yeah so you know when we bought this land they had a tile factory here and that mangalore tiles were the one of the most exported items yeah it kind of you know i mean it's go to spain portugal in early days and that was the first export industry from this region okay. this was a piece of land that was available to us and we bought the tile factory and the tile factory was still functioning when we bought the land but they were almost on the verge of closing and we started building this building and only the chimney was remaining and we wanted to pull it down as well what would we do with the chimney and we gave a contract to somebody to start lopping off the chimney and he started work on a sunday morning okay and he took off the first 20 feet of the chimney hmm. the, the chimney it was another 20 feet and after that the person who had got to call us and asked hey look are you sure you want to take this chimney down because it's a solid structure why do you want to take it on because nobody will build a chimney for you ever again in your life 
So I left everything. I came in my scooter all the way till here. And I looked at it and said, okay, you know what? We are not going to take it down. Let us keep it as it is. And that's how this chimney, you know, just stayed there. But this is the only chimney so, that's at the ground level. But no, yeah, it's pretty tall. It used to be functioning. There's no tile factory here for it to be functional anymore. But the chimney is... You know, but it's still at the ground level. In the sense? Matlab, chimneys are usually on top of a furnace or on top of a building, correct? But this is at a ground level. No, no, no. So the way they oh. built it, there was a, a channel. Ah. The factory was here and there was a channel that would lead... That the, would lead to all the way yeah, to the chimney. All the way to that. And they had a way of... Ah. Yeah. We said, then you know, we will become the only software company in the world with the chimney in front of it. <laughs> See, you know, uniqueness. Why did you choose to keep it again? When you came running with your scooter, yeah, it, it's, what? It, yeah, it's it's probably a it's kind of you know we are keeping the oldest export industry from this region with the newer newest export industry now from this region. It kind of symbolizes that. When you sold Robosoft, was this a request also to keep the chimney? Ah uh, no, no. How did the Japanese think <laughs> there was, this? There, there was no such request. Uh, when the Robosoft was sold, they, the Japanese company, Technopro, they did not even visit us because the whole transaction <laughs> happened uh, online, right? <laughs> this was uh, a virtual acquisition, guys. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, uh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, they visited us just three days ago. Oh, okay. Yes, you know, the Japanese, their board people came. I met them just three days ago. And if somebody had told me two years ago that the Japanese company would acquire a company in India... Without seeing it first, I told them, look, we don't know anything about Japan. Okay, but then it happened to us. I think one of those uh, things uh, that is imposed on companies, people, businesses by the pandemic. And uh, <laughs> what more can I say? They actually, you know, bought the whole thing. And I think the whole, uh, the pitching, you know, evaluation, everything happened. And they only got to come uh, down here about a week ago. Because they couldn't travel. Right? What was their first impression? I think they bought the company in August. And uh, I think you know, the business has been growing like we had projected. So they are happy. August of the previous year? Yes. Okay. 2021. And we are you know, selling, you know, we have to tell them, okay, this is how we see the company growing in the next three years. That's how valuations and all are built based on the projection that we do. Right? Our first projection was for this year. Uh, that's this FY 21-22. Uh, and that number is, you know, good. And uh, if are good, they're happy. Were they surprised looking at the chimney or the round building? Or just this building in the entire span of... <laughs> I think for somebody from a city, it might be a bit unsettling as well. But I don't think the chimney would have. It's just like you walked in, you didn't even notice. Yeah, I didn't notice. Until yeah. you... Yeah, pointed it out. Yeah. People always notice it on the way out, not on their way in. Because on their way in, they are looking at this building. On this building, correct. Yeah. correct. They are like, <laughs> 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 we build a building here. Yeah. That would be their first reaction. And another thing for us. <laughs> it still is. Was, yeah, 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 about this building. You know, yeah. I told you the HR part of it. When we used to tell our customer that we are based in Udupi, everybody would ask, Udupi, will you get talent, this, that, and all those things? Do you guys have proper office? Do you guys have internet? And this is another standard question and we have to bring them and we have to show them that we are as good as Bangalore, stuff like that. After we build this office, 
when they are 200 meters away from the office that question is answered and you know yeah by the time they enter the building they are only about giving us more business okay. because this question about do you have facilities yeah. is kind of it goes off the moment they see it in the first thing is like after the mangalore airport they don't see anything much in between and then they see this all like okay but most of these are international clients that are dropping coming in yes yeah. yeah you see the irony of your journey the international clients come in to just verify that you actually exist mm-hmm. and then there's a japanese coming that <laughs> <laughs> buys you off yeah. without even coming down do you think this was like the capstone of uh, your entire journey or it's it's like for me it's a very wholesome thing mm-hmm. starting as a bright eyed just passed out and maybe 6 mm-hmm. months into a job student in japan coming back and get to contribute and then contributing back to the japanese economy mm-hmm. for me feels very wholesome mm-hmm. how does it feel for you i'm pretty silently happy that this japanese company that came and acquired this company and they they have told us that you know, they are they are very very bullish about this business the services business and they want to keep the robosoft brand and grow that brand because you know they are known as a staffing company in japan and robosoft is always known as an innovation company a technology company yeah, cutting yeah, edge digital you know, transformation yeah, cutting edge i think that's what you know we always be known as and they want to keep that and build on top of that and they said that we are 1000 people now we want to make it 5000 people yeah. 5000 people probably a good part of them will be not be what could give me more uh, yeah. satisfaction than to see more people working here and proving that geographies are really relevant yeah geographies are really relevant yeah. and i think uh, the covid proved that more than anything else yeah right? not just for tech yeah. companies but now even for product yes, companies absolutely yeah and we have been saying that for <laughs> more than 20 years like geography irrelevant doesn't matter whether we are in udupi yeah. or you know we had in between a slight issue with people a quality of life you know what people the students or employees out of college like to have and we're lucky that manipal happened to us because you know some of the best restaurants hangout joints okay so student manipal- population you know 50000 students from 35 different uh, countries in one small town it's like for us it's like the idiranagar just came and <laughs> so planted itself in our neighborhood and once we had that it was very easy for us even in terms of talent they would get to see the beautiful stroke of yeah. luck yes it you know we were you know from that perspective we were very very lucky we were very lucky we were lucky yeah and i we were lucky all along yeah it's not even funny yeah no yeah who <laughs> i hope some of it rubs off <laughs> That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Now looking back, mm-hmm. it seems well placed. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure this would have been an uphill thing for you mm-hmm. to convince people that geographies are relevant. Mm-hmm. They're the cutting edge of things, yeah. building things yeah. from a tier three city. But still, miles to go before you sleep. <laughs> What do you want to evangelize for the youngsters? Or maybe not to youngsters. Forget mm. them. Mm. To your own daughter, because she's fifteen right now. Mm. Yeah, mm. she's going to turn up. Let's say eighteen, twenty, twenty-one in a few mm. years. Mm. Mm. What would you tell her? 
Yeah. I always tell her, look, don't be too weighed down by what we have done as your parents. Do whatever gives you happiness. Whatever she does, she should be happy doing that. She is kind of like a creative person. Okay, she is, you know, got a different uh, way of looking at it. She's seen a struggle all the time, <laughs> right? She's like, no, no, I don't want to get into mm-hmm. a company. I don't want to do a company. Okay, but I don't know. I think there is some part of us in her yeah. that will make her rethink that at some stage in her life. And right. if she does, great. If she doesn't, there's no compulsion. It's her life to lead. And uh, yes, you know. We are there encouraging her with whatever she wants to do. I don't know whether to ask you this question. Um, maybe it's too early, but if you had only five minutes to spend with her mm-hmm. and then never meet her again, mm-hmm. what would you tell her? I would tell, you know, always uh, try to make an impact on society in your own way. Okay. Do something that will make you be you know, remembered. Contribute something. That's what I, I tell her even now. Like, oh, do something. Put your name there somewhere you know, so that someday down the line you know, people know that you did this. And I think pretty much everything else mm-hmm. will be a part of that when she's trying to do that, if she's trying to do that. You know, we should always create stuff. You know, And creating stuff comes to you know me or it's because you know, engineers always create stuff. About creating stuff. I wish more engineers understood that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I tell them the same. Whether you do engineering or whatever you do, you don't try to create something unique. If you are going to the music industry, you know, create great music. But, you know, create. I have huge respect for creative artists. I can always tell her, that's one of the things that we connect over music. I tell her, look, these guys are the most creative people in the world. Because they just, yeah, they just create stuff and, you know, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, all kind of pop artists, rock artists, whoever it is. We sit and sometimes watch video from a particular artist and then we follow that person's life, how he transformed yeah. his journey or her journey. We are doing that over the weekend and mm-hmm. we are kind of tracing his life and the music that he you know, produced at different points in his life. Then, you know, we keep watching those same videos again and again, the music videos again and again. Yeah. I keep telling her, look, you know, <laughs> be something in life. That's the only thing I tell. Yeah. Be something in life. No, don't waste. And yeah, I know, engineers also, it's the same thing. It's a great time to start up. Uh, start up is, nothing in life is easy. Start up more so. It's a lot of struggle, a lot of perseverance. And... Uh, Perseverance is a larger part of that entire uh, thing that they do. A lot of people, I've seen a lot of people who start, they think it is something they'll do 18 months, they'll give it a shot and then they'll go back to their job. Then you're already set up for failure when you go with that mindset. 18 months, you know, what would, I mean, if they're lucky, they'll get something. It's like, okay, let me try something. If it works... It'll work and otherwise I will go back to what I'm doing. Create your best stuff when you know that you are already deep down the well and the only way to <laughs> come out is to <laughs> fight your way out. Yeah. If you keep standing on the sill and say, I'm going to jump, I'm going to jump, you know, you'll never be able to. Yeah. You have to be drowning. <laughs> yeah, you have to be drowning. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think uh, when you are desperate, mm-hmm. that is when you are at your creative best. Mm-hmm. I think and for me that is probably where your most insightful thinking happens. When you have your uh, back against the wall, then you are at your most creative best. If you are always living in this comfort that, okay, no. Thing goes bad. I'm going to go to my job. <laughs> then you'll never that that part of the creative thought process will never happen in your entire path. When were you the most desperate in this term of the sense, and when did you see that creative urge or the survival urge to creative mm-hmm. kick in? An innumerable number of times. Yeah, that's only yeah. one that really, really no, stands out, no, no, out no, no, extreme. No, no, no. There's so many of them. See, the thing we is, have the whole the, morning. The, 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 see, it is never the same problem that you are trying to fix, right? When you are at the, when you are small, you are you are fighting one kind of battle. Then you put it behind you. There are people taking it. Then you go to the next stage again. You are seeing some other issue. You put it behind you. And I think your journey is all about. multiple stages of those things happening okay and you try to defeat each one of them and try to survive and then thrive okay there are multiple instances so uh, one instance i keep telling my daughter was i think in 97 or 98 something uh, i hardly had 20 rupees in my pocket and it was my niece's birthday <laughs> I'd gift her something, and if I gift her something, then I don't have something to eat. So I presented an empty cover because I couldn't not give something because then she would feel you know bad about it. I gave her an empty envelope, just like everybody else was giving. They were giving their fill. I was giving mine empty. But yeah, that is you know that one of those uh, uh, low points you know that you see. How did you life. feel that evening? No, I mean it was like I said. It is a it's a horrible thing, <laughs> right? But yeah, then I think the thing about an entrepreneur life is uh, he should always be smiling, or he or she should always be smiling, even though he or she is in the most desperate of situations. I mean that that's a tough act to follow. Give me more because if you are looking worried or if you are looking stressed, your people around you will. Notice that, and they'll start panicking. You should always be at your <laughs> yeah. Keep a face. Yeah, you have to keep the face. Right? But where are moments where you take that face off and you sit back? Who who are those kind of people? Yeah, that's that you where found? you need that or big projection TV. <laughs> <laughs> that is where the projection TV comes into yeah. picture. Yeah, seeing others have because masks. yeah that because yeah, yeah exactly you know you have to you know let go of that. Otherwise, you know, if you keep things bottled up, you know, it will just, it will just. I've seen it happen. You just, you have to just let, you have to figure out a way of flushing it as soon as possible. Correct. At most a weekend. I, I disagree here that now you're indulging, but you're you're taking your mind off mm. in the projection or uh, TV. the TV room or the home theater. Mm. You're taking your mind off of it, correct? But mm. that's not you flushing it out. What do you do to flush it out of your system? No, I think uh, it is about. Watching some of your favorite movies again and again, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching it, you're enjoying it, but you know, <laughs> your mind is still trying to correct, solve that correct. that problem. Okay, this is just giving an outlet to you know relax and you know, telling your brain saying that hey look, you can still do the impossible. 
can still dodge the budget we know bullet by watching matrix they are kind of always looking at inspirations however full hardly those are but yeah i think life is just to keep finding inspiration in the littlest of things what's the smallest thing that has inspired you i think i don't know about smallest things but Thank yeah you. i think okay. it's So this envelope yeah, was inspiring. Yeah, yeah. reading yeah. the story. I don't, I don't think I ever told about the envelope ever to anyone. Yeah, so it took me two hours to open you up. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I really. But I keep telling my daughter about that. Yeah, I keep telling honesty. my daughter about that. Yeah, yeah. I really respect. Yeah. It. it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. Then, uh, yeah, I think that's one. Then we are trying to build an office. Okay, you're trying to find an office, making sure you provide the right kind of food facility. There's no Zomato, Swiggy, and also I remember. I remember when we were building our office, people would sometimes come on Saturdays. Okay, and they would come, and I was, I was, I would be worried that they would leave for lunch and not come and do work in the afternoon. So I would go out get lunch for them, <laughs> and we had a special ice cream here called as Gutbird. Okay. The person who the people who would come on Saturdays would get gutbird in office. <laughs> they would make sure not just lunch. I would get gutbird also for them. Okay. So I would be the guy who would do all the odd jobs. You know, when you are a founder, you know, you are you are always doing the odd jobs, right? So I would be the guy who would do the odd jobs. You know, trying to tell people look build something. Okay, and uh, there's always this guy who will do the odd job for you. Be it getting, <laughs> be it getting gutbird for you, or you no, know, bribing you with lunch, or dropping you on my scooter, or way back in the night, or any of those things, or sometimes sitting and debugging the code with you as well. Or uh, no, yeah, figuring out architecture issues in your product. I've done it all. I've done it all. That's the only yeah. way. Yeah, it's the only I mean, way. There's, there's only way. There's no yeah. other. There's no other way. and that that's the thing people who think that they'll give 18 months to start a company yeah. you know fail it you mentioned you still have miles to go mm-hmm. before you sleep mm-hmm. what is the impact you seek to make before you sleep one of the things you know i would like to do is and i would like to see at least uh, you know a hundred it companies in this region more than that successful it companies you know they're successful Building world-class products, being in the news all the time. The place has potential. You need to inspire people. You need to convince people to come back. If you convince people to come back, we'll be able to do it. Okay. But yeah, that is what I want to do. This place is brilliant in terms of talent, in terms of facilities, everything. I think it is. You know, it's got great potential. And yeah, I try to build a company. Okay, we have built Probosoft now. I want to my next company called Ninety Nine Games. Trying to see if we can make that hundred x bigger. Whether I do it or not is a separate thing. But yeah. I'll give it my you know best shot. And I know that Robosoft itself has inspired a lot of people to try and do stuff. And if we do that better with Ninety Nine Games, then they know it's not a fluke. Yeah. But keep walking, keep inspiring. Yeah, But and <laughs> you won't believe. I was just telling this to the students in the workshop at MIT. There, between 1996, mm-hmm. 1990, and 2013, mm-hmm. one million of the best engineers and scientists of India have gone to US. Okay, it went up 86 percent uh-huh. just between 2003 and 2013. Uh-huh. 
and 90% of them uh-huh. have become residents there only uh-huh. 10% have come back uh-huh. if you're one of them who's still there uh-huh. yeah come back maybe to rupee and build something yes yeah always welcome yeah. so coming to rupee give me a shout out i'll meet you yes it takes a while to get him and a lot of <laughs> follow up <laughs> but make sure you do it's worth it yeah It's been such a wholesome and refreshing conversation together. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah. On that note, boys and girls, go and make some galata. 